My mother and my grandmother, you know, many of the little quotes that people hear me talk about, mm -hmm. like, when you know better, do better, you yeah. know, that comes from them. Yes. It comes from helping me to understand that even in the most challenging situations, there is a pathway forward, but people have to be willing to grow and evolve. Mm. Um, and you've also got to be anchored to a set of principles. Yeah. Um, and, and those principles will actually help you in those really challenging times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they'll also buffer you when things are going well and everybody wants to pat you on the back. And if yeah. you're not careful, you will lose focus with what the, uh, what the goal is. Excited about uh, talking to this cat, Mustafa Santiago Ali. Man, yes. every time I say his name, I just yes. want to say like uh, MSA Missa. He's someone that yeah. I find does this amazing job yeah. of connecting mm -hmm. all of the injustices of the world. He does, and he kind of just it's like this thread that he just pulls through all of them. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. think is important because no matter what mm -hmm. you know area that you're passionate about mm -hmm. or what injustice you are fighting against. Mm -hmm in your everyday life or in the field of service, you know, it all comes down to the, just the root of what is causing all of them. I love the fact that he like, he talks about, you know, environmental injustice and in particularly as applies to like black and brown communities, yeah. marginalized communities. And you don't, you don't, I don't think we link that. We don't, we link don't, those two, yeah. we don't. And it's, you know, it's, it's ironic to me because, you know, it's like our indigenous brothers and sisters, yeah. um, whether they be in Africa or Latin America mm -hmm. or, um, you know, uh, First Nations people uh, in, the, in North America, mm. they come from this long tradition of being stewards of the earth, right? Mm. But because of poverty mm. and racial injustice, they live in spaces that are essentially kind of environmental polluting zones or environmental deserts. And he, he talks so profoundly eloquently about that dilemma. And then he links it to like historical, like traumas and injustices, you know, mm -hmm. and that's precisely the kind of work that he's that he's doing. So, um, and he and he's also got the coolest style in the world, you know. I mean, stop it. The brother <laughs> he does. Is. I don't think you could beat him. Anyone no. could beat him. No, he's, in this, in his no. his style. He's I mean, like he, the green thumb dapper Dan. You know, he talks I mean, about bringing. He always brings grace to yeah, the table. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's got a lot of grace. Got a lot of style, a lot of grace. Mm. Brother's got a lot of stuff happening, doesn't he? Yeah, he has a lot. I mean, the hair is of rocking. Wonderful the stuff happening. Yeah. Makes him incredible. Yeah. The other part that 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 is really yeah. cool is his emphasis on hope yeah. in the face of dealing with the things that he's dealing with, you know? Yeah. And I'm just wondering, man, because I'm thinking like, you know, we're engaged in doing, making our own contribution in the spaces that we're engaged in. Mm. You're very focused on, you know, women's rights, justice for women, mm. um, really creating space for women's voices to be heard, mm. centering women's voices. Mm. Uh, I'm involved in some of that work too, and then also racial justice. Mm. Um, and all of this, you know, all of this work we both believe is for the betterment of the human family as a whole. Yeah. But this, I mean, this work is hard. And, yes. and you know, doing it, being engaged in it, giving it our heart and our soul sometimes, you can get really discouraged. Yeah. And but he seems to possess this inner quality, this kind of hopefulness optimism. and optimism yes. that is so important to the work. And yeah. I don't know what do you what do you what do you think about that? I think that's really interesting mm -hmm. because a lot of people look down on optimism. Yeah. There yeah. is this uh, trend. I, I want to dare I say fashionable mm -hmm. to be very cynical and, yeah. and call yourself a realist mm -hmm. and say this is our reality. Yeah one person we can't none of us can really do anything about it we're just doomed mm -hmm. and i think 
one thing, when you look across the board of anyone that has ever made any type of meaningful change, they've had this optimism that everybody else would describe as utopian. Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing that can actually allow us to, the only thing that can give us the energy and the capacity to do something about it. Yeah. So it's like that. It's the, it's the prime ingredient, yeah. but it's the ink, it's the very thing that is so difficult to have when you're in pain yeah. and when you're being oppressed or whether, yeah. when, when there's injustices that exist. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited about talking to him. Um, I'm excited because I, I feel like what I know of him and the way that he um, celebrates women, that you're going to get a lot of mm. love and uh, mm. encouragement today. And I'm always oh, happy to see my brilliant co-host get that kind of encouragement oh that's so sweet this feeling is absolutely mutual let's do it man okay all right let's go come on what's up man how you doing brother oh man blessed busy and thankful welcome man welcome to the show Uh, i know y'all killing it so (laughs) well she nava's doing all the killing it i'm just trying to you know i'm trying to keep up brother you know you know we do what we must do you know what i'm saying so, I understand. Let the, let the sisters leave. No got problem. to. Got to, brother. Got to. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that, actually. Because, mm. you know, you talk about um, the environment and, and the relationship it has with um, racial justice. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see the relationship it has to, to women mm. and actually the oppression of women. And I, and I think it does have a relationship. And we thought if anyone would know, uh, then it's Mustafa would know. Yeah. Well, you know, the first principle of the environmental justice movement is honoring Mother Earth, not Father Earth, honoring Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, So we understand that all life comes uh, from mothers, um, from females. So when you honor that, then you change the paradigm that um, many of our European brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, embraced over time and not honoring women uh, and, and actually creating a set of situations where subjugation um, was actually, um, you know, the foundation that they operated from. Um, and then that translated over into policy um, and into a number of sets of actions that have been very destructive because there was no balance, there was no harmony. And when you don't have that, um, and when you're not honoring where life springs from, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you, you've actually set in motion a, a, a set of situations that lead to your own annihilation. Wow. So, you know, you can't change history, but you can change what's happening in the present and the future. You know, you're talking about Mother Earth. It's got me thinking about mothers, man. It's got me thinking about, um, you know, how women uh, have supported my journey you know, throughout mm-hmm. my life, man, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. have ushered me in from one phase of my, uh, you know, um, development into the next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you're working, man, you got this platform and this incredible platform where you're an advocate for environmental justice, um, for all of humanity, but particularly as it relates to marginalized populations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you tie that into, you know, uh, human rights activism as a whole. Mm-hmm how um, advocating for these marginalized uh, populations in essence is advocating for everybody, which I think is a really profound insight that you bring to the table. Man, and I'm, as you've got this incredible platform, whether it be in the educational space, whether it be in the public advocacy space, man, I'm wondering, man, how you got here, brother. I mean, who were the women, man, that ushered you into this space, brother, that, that carried you from one stage in your development to the next, brother? I'm wondering if you could share some of that. 
Well, you got to start with my mother and my grandmother. You know, anybody who has ever heard me speak, that, that, that's, a, that's the beginning uh, of many of the uh, pieces of information that I share with folks, you know, how they helped me to have such a strong foundation. That doesn't take anything away from my father and my grandfathers who were all incredible in their own right. But it was really my mother and my grandmother who, who really taught me a lot of lessons uh, that then translated into life, translated into my work, uh, and anchored me with a strong foundation. You know, my, my, my mother and my grandmother, you know, many of the little quotes that people hear me talk about, mm -hmm. like, when you know better, do better, you mm -hmm. know, that comes from them. Yes. It comes from helping me to understand that even in the most challenging situations, there is a pathway forward, but people have to be willing to grow and evolve. Um, and you've also got to be anchored to a set of principles. Yeah. Um, and, and those principles will actually help you in those really challenging times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they'll also buffer you when things are going well and everybody wants to pat you on the back. And if yeah. you're not careful, you will lose focus with what the, uh, what the goal is. Mm. Um, so, I'm always thankful for them. They're, they're just amazing. You know, when you really go back, it, it was it was the women um, who actually were providing the leadership. They were providing the guidance. They were also providing the nurturing that was so necessary. And in many instances, they were also the ones that would hem you up uh, if you began to slide. So I'm thankful to my mother and my grandmother um, for everything that they've taught me mm. um, and the love that they gave me. I wouldn't be who I am without them. You know, I, I work with a foundation called the Mona Foundation, and it focuses on the education of girls uh, around the world. Because the idea is that if you educate a girl, you can solve a whole host of world problems. You know, early pregnancies drop, and the GDP of a country rises, domestic violence in a country drops. Um, the physical environment is actually better off when a woman is empowered or educated. You know, when she's making money, when she starts a business, she uses that money a lot differently than a man does. She uses that money on her family, yeah. on the community. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I mean, it's interesting, this physical environment and the yeah. link between oppression mm. and the health of our environment. Can you speak a little bit about that? I hope that folks understand the value um, that uh, women, girls, grandmothers bring in our society, our global society. When it's out of balance, everything is out of balance. So, you know, lots of times folks will see, you know, a couple of men who are associated with the environmental justice movement and, and you get a lot of attention, but it was the female leaders who were the ones who founded the movement um, in many instances in much larger number than the men um, and, and actually helped to build this foundation that we, that, you know, that we work from and you see it also because they came out of the civil rights movement. They came out of the Chicano movement. They came out of the AIM movement. You know, all of these various movements that represent so many different people of color. Um, and, and they brought the lessons that were there. Folks like Hazel Johnson. Hazel Johnson is the mother of the environmental justice movement out of the south side of Chicago. But Hazel, in her advocacy, mm. she raised up so many people, young people, you, you had folks like Gene Sendad, mm. one of the most amazing thinkers ever, who was a part of the early environmental justice movement. And all of her lessons came back through her matriarchal line in helping her to become this international leader uh, in these early environmental uh, and civil rights types of things that were going on. I mean, you, you had Dana Alston, who was really the architect of the 
uh, set of principles, our 17 principles of environmental justice, and helped to pull together that first uh, summit uh, where people came from all across the planet. So when you ask me that question about how important is it or the connection for making sure that young girls and women um, have these, these platforms and opportunities, you know, it plays out when you really understand the history. Because at the same time that they were helping create this national movement that we now call environmental justice, they were also reaching back and reaching up to young girls and, and making sure that they had the information that was necessary. And now this second and third, and now we're beginning the fourth generation of young leaders, you know, the majority of them are, are, are women and girls. Um, right. and, and we just have to understand that when we're willing to make those investments, see, they took their own personal time. They took their own personal resources because folks weren't funding this work at that time. Um, and, and we're willing to make that investment. And we see it also in the civil rights movement and other social justice movements. You know, we see it in the, in, um, in the eco justice movements um, and a number of other that are going on. So for me, th there's no way for us to find a pathway forward. There's no way for us to reach that North Star mm. that I often talk about mm -hmm. without making sure that not just that women have an opportunity to participate in the yeah. process, yeah. but that we are honoring their leadership. I've been blessed to work with and for a number of folks. And there have been no greater leaders that I have worked with that I felt that both had the intelligence and the connection uh, to what was going on in the ground than the female leaders who actually embraced me and taught me um, and guided me on my journey. And I'll call their names out. Dr. Clarice Gaylord, who helped to found the first Office of Environmental Equity, which became the Office of Environmental Justice. She went through hell and back to do that, but she did it with grace and she did it with intelligence and strategy that most people would pay a couple hundred thousand dollars to learn the different types of techniques that she had to use with all these different pressures coming at her. Lisa Jackson. Lisa Jackson was one of the most amazing leaders that I had a chance to work for. Mm. Gina McCarthy was another one, but Lisa Jackson, you know, she came from New Orleans. So she understood the dynamics that were going on in the ground, but, and she, she had a way of, of bringing people in and, and also being strong in that, but also making you feel uh, that you are honored and respected no matter where you are coming from, but at the same time, never, ever losing clarity on what needed to happen in that space. Um, and then I'll just wanna call out one other person's name, you know, sort of in the, in the government side of the equation. Um, and, and that was Gwen Keyes Fleming. She used to be a chief of staff um, at EPA. And if it wasn't for Gwen, I never would have accepted the, some of the jobs that I did. She sat down and she broke it down for me. And, and she also said, Mustafa, I'll be here with you and I will help you. Uh, to be able to evolve and to grow into this space. And again, that is that, that mother instinct. Mm. You know, mothers know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. But it's, it's something that for many yeah. women, that's internal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why we need more leadership like that yeah. in addressing these issues that are going on. Whether we're talking about the pandemic or okay. we're talking about the impacts from the climate crisis or environmental injustices, or in the sets of racial justices issues that are going on. A man feels pain. Let me just talk about this real quick. When we lose a child, 
a man feels something, mm -hmm. his first reaction, of course, is to want to go after whoever did that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I get that. But when a woman loses a child, she loses a part of herself, you know, because she went through and gave life to that child. But she also understands the evolution that needs to happen in that process. Yeah, yeah. About the, the mourning that happens, but also being focused on life and the continuation of that life. Um, and, and I see that in many of the leaders that they actually are not just thinking about the strategy of the moment, but how do I help to preserve life, which is so critically important. I, I just see so much value that's in that space. And I thank you for asking me that question. Man. Thank you for, yeah. for offering that. Yeah. I mean, it was very refreshing um, and it brought tears to my eyes because I don't, <laughs> you're talking about the people responsible for giving life and we're oppressing them and we're mm -hmm. holding them back. We're not using the power that they have. And so we're extinguishing life, like all life. You know, I, I, it's great and it's wonderful to hear that um, from, from a man because there is, there is a lot of that understanding amongst women. I mean, women know the part they play, you know, and they don't get recognized for it, they don't get credit for it, and they keep marching on and they keep going. They're not encouraged, none of that. But that recognition is, is really the first step to understanding how much of our destiny of, of the survival of this world yeah. relies upon yeah. the destiny and the survival and the thriving yeah. of, of women. You know, I'm thinking about this connection of the body to the earth. Mm. And I'm thinking about how the earth in, 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 in is the giver of, of life, of sustenance. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's, it, that's a very um, tangible kind of uh, understandable reality that exists in the physical world and a contingent world. But then if you think in terms of like metaphor and allegory, it's also a metaphor for womanhood, mm -hmm. for birthing something mm. into existence, you mm. know? Mm. And I'm thinking about, man, about, you know, when we see people being careless with the environment, right? Careless with life. In a way, it is um, someone who is inflicting upon themselves a kind of internal and external harm that they're not even aware of when they're doing it most of the time. Because there's such, such a disconnect between the body and the earth, right? Something that was meant and originally created as far as I can tell, as far as my understanding allows me to perceive that there's an interdependence there, right? You, you're engaged in, mm. as a black man, engaged in this work that you're doing, which historically has been more generally associated with women, because women grow things from the earth. They tend mm. the garden historically, right? You know, how did you wind up in that space mm. particularly, man? What was it that that, that happened to you in your life or, or some event that happened that caused you to reflect and say, this is a space that I have a contribution to make, mm -hmm. um, something that was a catalyst for your engagement in that work, man. I mean, it all goes back to really, really early days. You know, I believe, you know, that there is a divine sort of mission for all of us. Um, sometimes we just don't want to hear and sometimes we just don't want to do. And I believe whether you say it's God or the universe, or however you want to frame it, 
that there are two ways of getting to where you're supposed to be. There's an easy way and there's the hard way. Mm-hmm. The easy way is that you listen right. Uh, right. And, that, and that you move in that direction. Right. The hard way is that you got to get kind of get knocked over the head a little bit and you got to get, get, you know, pushed around and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and everybody has their own path to walk. For me as a young boy, you know, I came out of a family of folks who were fighting for workers' rights and civil rights. Um, and my parents, you know, they never told my brothers and sisters or I what, what we had to do, you know, moving forward. Now, of course, they want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, all that kind of stuff. But what they did say, they said, you got, you got to give back. <laughs> so you got to figure it out. And then I just saw a bunch of injustices when I was growing up. Um, you know, I saw people getting sick and I didn't know why. And then later on, I realized that I was growing up in a, in a cancer cluster. Um, you know, we had an old coal fire power plant across the river. Um, and, you know, emissions would blow over. Grew up in a community also that was on, built on top of an old coal mine. <laughs> so people used to get their water from a spring. Um, and then we found out later on that it had heavy metals in it. It wasn't like anybody was intentionally trying to poison people. But, you know, all the things from my youth began to come together. You know, I saw things like, you know, walking through the favelas and and seeing the injustices that were there. It's like, why don't these folks um, have running water? Why don't these folks have the right types of sanitation, all these other types of things? So as you begin to see these types of things, and if you're inquisitive, and I was an inquisitive kid, I try to be a good kid, but I was inquisitive. (laughs) You um, You begin to put it together. And then, you know, I was just lucky that a number of civil rights leaders and social justice leaders uh, began to embrace me when I was younger um, and things began to come together. I never thought in a million years, and people laugh about this and my friends know, I never thought that I would ever work for a federal government because I was like, yeah, you know, I had never seen much value in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met all kinds of folks who were working in the early, early environmental justice movement. And I knew I had found the thing that I could work on for the rest of my life. But to be quite honest with you, when I first started working on these issues, I, you know, when you're young, you're like, well, you know what? We get this all worked out in like four or five years. <laughs> right, right. I think, keep it pushing. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful part of being young. And I think that I think that young people, I mean, we're supposed to feel that things are possible because the so much of the work actually rests on the shoulders of us young people. And what would you say? I mean, I as a millennial, I ask you, what would you say to a population of young people um, about their role and the importance of their role in what you're fighting for every day? I would tell them that you have power unless you give it away. You actually have uh, the ability to frame out a new direction. You know, you see it, especially, and I'm so blessed that I get a chance to work with so many young people all across, all across the planet now, because as challenging as the situations are, they still believe and know that they can make change happen. Now, sometimes folks get a little, you know, they get a little dissuaded because things begin to pile on. But young people are the only way, um, you know, that that real change is going to happen. Now, it's it's good when it's in an intergenerational way because we want to honor the wisdom of our elders. And the EJ movement is an intergenerational movement. But if you go back and look throughout history, it is young people who was the catalyst for change. 
If you go back and look at the civil rights movement, we'll start with the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah. You, you will see young people yeah. who were sitting at those lunch counters mm-hmm. and the young people yeah. who were there marching and, and taking the licks, along with some elders, but most people were younger people. The civil rights movement, the majority of, of folks yes. who were there were women Absolutely. and young girls mm-hmm. uh, who are also playing a critical role there, even though, once again, it was a number of the men who got the credit. If you go back and we look through the women's suffrage movement, even though when you look at those old black and white pictures, it looked like it was a bunch of older folks, but there was also younger folks who were playing a critical role there. If you look at the divest invest movement, the trillions of dollars that have now been divested um, you know, from fossil fuels, that started on college campuses. And those were young people who were a part of that. And if you look at the environmental movement, the modern day environmental movement, if you go back there, that was young people. Black yeah. Lives Matter. Yeah. We, can come, we can come forward to today. Mm-hmm. That was what America is really supposed to look like. That was young black kids and white kids uh, and Latinx kids and indigenous kids and LGBTQIA, all that energy coming together to finally feel like the words that this country is founded on could become real for everyone. And that is that enthusiasm and innovation and ingenuity that young people bring. And young people will also play an incredible role Mm -hmm. um, in the technology um, that's so necessary. Many of the things that we use now, that was young people who created that. You know, young people um, are, are so critically needed in this moment. And I would say, even on those challenging days, and trust me, I've had a few of those over my time, that you, you have the ability to build real partnerships. You have the ability to transform what this country looks like, to show folks that we should not be judging people on the color of their skin, like Dr. King said, but really on the content of their character. And that, and, and that character means that you see people uh, through a different lens and you, and you understand the value that they bring through a different lens. Man, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we're having this, um, you know, this talk and, 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 and young people, the younger generation is, keeps coming to the fore of the conversation. And, and I'm thinking about, man, for, for, for cats who, are, who haven't made their contribution yet, right? But perhaps they have an impulse within themselves to make a contribution, right? So I'm thinking about, you know, maybe if, say that I'm one of those people, right? And I'm, and I'm thinking about, man, I want to get involved. I want to get engaged. I have a passion for um, perhaps wanting to get involved in the environmental justice movement, right? But I'm not really sure if, um, you know, if I have what it takes to make a contribution or if I can do it, man. I mean, how would you talk to somebody who was doubting themselves, doubting their ability to make change, to contribute? How would you, how would you speak to that? In any capacity, exactly. making any change, even within their own lives, yes. let alone uh, big movements. Yeah, like this. exactly, exactly. I would tell them that we need you. Everybody wants to feel needed and to know that it's authentic. And the next thing is, what's your gift? What's your blessing? Mm. And as soon as somebody tells me what their blessing is, that thing that, that really moves them, then we, we can find a way for that to not just be utilized, but for you to grow that exponentially to help to make change happen. You know, I've, I've worked with all kinds of folks. I've worked with folks that lots of times people ignore, right? You know, a lot of times folks don't want to work with gang members. I'm like, or folks don't want to work with folks, you know, sitting on the corner, you know, who, who move in product and all this other kind of stuff. And, and, and it's because we don't ever slow down and talk to folks that, that they feel like this is the only thing that there is for me, that I, I'm not a part of change. Everybody has a gift. You know, if, if you can put lyrics together, you can help to move the planet. 
um, because you can create a song or a poem, or if you're a great writer, you know, you can share stuff in a way that will touch someone. You know, if you're great with numbers, you know, we, we need economists, we need mathematicians, we need folks who are going to be able to think about putting together these sets of processes that are going to be a part of new tools, you know? So it doesn't matter what your gift is, you know? You might be somebody who's great with kids and you'll be able to find a way to translate things and, and to make sure the kids feel safe and secure. And when they feel safe and secure, they flourish. It doesn't matter. You just have to be willing mm -hmm. to, to actually embrace whatever it is that God has given you. Um, and that will be translated in, in, into some miraculous things. I've seen it time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. you, you tell a young man that he's needed yeah. and serious about it, yeah. you watch how it changed. You tell a, a young lady that she's needed and, and that she's going to be honored and valued, it'll be transformational um, with what you see will happen. And, yeah. and they will take it yeah. and they will grow it yeah. and they'll make, you know, make it even better. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating. It, it speaks to a lot of my, my area of study, which, which is in the area of youth empowerment. And I, I studied for a while on why young people are radicalized into extremist groups, into gangs, into, you know, ISIS was the, was the focus of my study at the time. But whatever principle that applies to the radicalization of ISIS applies to the radicalization of any of these groups. And what we found is exactly what you're talking about, that if we don't give youth a place to channel their energy, and we don't give them a channel, we don't give them a sense of belonging, we don't tell them you're needed here, another group will and they will go there. Youth need to go where they are needed because they have an energy that needs to be expelled. And it will lead to either positive transformation or it will lead to the negative destruction, basically, of, of the community environment. You know, it's interesting for me as well, I was thinking about when I was about 13, that's when my activism started. And I didn't care what people thought. I was just doing. Until I opened my, myself up to this world and I was told, well, you're just a child and you don't know anything. And so, and so, you know, I kept quiet again. Yeah. But then later on, you grow a little older and you start sitting around the table with people that are supposed to be experts and people that mm -hmm. are supposed to be the learned researchers. And then you realize nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> nobody really, really knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it made me feel how important it is yeah. that that insecurity mm -hmm. that we have, either insecurity that is coming from your age, mm -hmm. insecurity that stems from your background, your culture, the yeah. color of your skin, your gender, it's an illusion. My grandmother said, that no one person has all the answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then when you're willing to bring a number of people into the circle, you will be able to then see uh, this growth that will happen, that will allow us to find a pathway forward. That's why, you know, this moment is so critically important to see in our country and across the planet, if we are truly going to evolve into our own humanity. Now, that's why I appreciate the work of Reverend Barber yes. and the Poor People's Campaign, which also comes out of Dr. King's movement. And that even comes from older movements where folks said, you know what? Yes, we sometimes have some distinct things as black folks or brown folks or Asian and Pacific Islander folks or indigenous folks. But we also got a whole bunch of commonalities, both on the sets of impacts that are happening and the sets of opportunities that are there and we need to come together and stop allowing folks to, to pimp us, 
I mean, I don't know how else to say it because it really is a pimping of people. And when we do that, and when we understand, as my grandmother said, no one person has all of the answers, but when we all come together in the circle, then we can figure this out together. And when we figure it out together, then we have this unity. And when you have that unity, people can't break it. I remember um, as a small boy sitting at my grandfather's knee. Now, my grandfather was one of those folks that everybody respected because that's the way he carried himself. And he used to have an old bushel of apples. So he used to grow. He worked in the coal mines, but he also uh, grew his own everything. And he would keep this bushel of apples and he would peel apples and men from all across the counties would come and sit on his porch. And he would cut little pieces of the apple off and feed it to me so I would sit there and listen. And what he was really doing was he was fighting around civil rights and workers' rights but at the same time, he was making sure that everyone who came, and you got to remember at that time, you know, driving from county to county, you know, it, it took a little bit to do that, you know, that through unity, they could make sure that they got a better set of opportunities, whether if you're working in the coal mine or wherever it was. And those lessons um, are the ones that show us the pathway forward. Our elders, you know, in many instances, had many of the answers that we need. There's always some new ones that need to come into the mix and, and new ways sometimes of doing stuff. But the but the foundational pieces are there for us. And, and I remember seeing men of different colors and, uh, and then eventually women also began to, to work in that space. And um, so that that's a part of my learning of the value of everybody uh, coming into the circle. You know, he's talking a lot about unity yeah. and this process of consultation mm -hmm. and the importance of it. When people come to the table and they put their idea out, mm -hmm. we don't have to have unity of thought in the sense that not all of our thoughts are, I mean, actually it shouldn't be, or <laughs> we should be bringing different thoughts to the table and contributing it. People think that if you don't agree with somebody, you can't progressively move forward, but it's not like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring a thought to the table, you, you agree to take a certain action. You take that action, maybe you discuss about whether that action was good or there needs to be, there's limitations to it, and then you come back to the table again, and then you brainstorm again, and then you work together, but you all support that this is the direction we're gonna take, and then once we take it, let's reevaluate again. And that's the importance of that consultation, which has been a pivotal part, I, I know, of your life and, 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 and my life as well. Yeah. Consultation in all matters and, and the part that unity has to play in that diversity of thought. And I think it's such a beautiful point you bring up. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of communal learning, which I think uh, our Brother Mustafa is kind of, kind of pointing to, is this notion that everybody has a part to play in this process. And when we bring all those learnings that we've acquired in the, in, in, you know, the field of service. Yes. And, um, and we evaluate, look, what's worked, what hasn't worked. That was really wonderful what we did over there. I like the results that we got it at. Yeah, mm -hmm. that other thing on the other side, that wasn't so good. We'll try something different the next mm -hmm. time. It's interesting because as, as you're sharing what you're sharing, Nava, what you're sharing what you're sharing, Brother Mustafa, I'm thinking about how the environment has so many lessons to teach us about interrelationships, man. When we are walking through a field of grass, every blade of grass has a part to play mm. in supporting whatever is walking upon it. Mm. How the soil mm. sustains the grass, how the rain that falls, you know, feeds the soil, which mm. gives birth to the grass, gives rise to the grass, and how from the lowest blade of grass to the mightiest oak tree in the forest, both of those are interdependent. They mm. all have a part to play. And so, you know, reflecting on that, it's like, yo, if, if I can apply what I observe in the natural environment, this interdependence, man, this sense of oneness, 
in my relationships and the way that I interact and work with others, man, that's a powerful force to unleash in the world, man. And we talk about getting things done and making progressive change. Mm. I mean, I believe, as, as you said, man, in spirit and God, and I believe that God has given us this incredible mechanism for learning. All we gotta do is open ourselves up to observe, listen and learn, man, and it, it, it's right there, you know? Oh, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, everything is connected. I mean, literally everything on this planet is connected. And when we break the chain, that's when we see things start to fall apart. When you look at racial injustice, when we saw what was going on with the police, right? It connects all of us. It connects us on a spiritual level when we don't get engaged in, 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 in the fight for that, to get it right. You know, it engages us on a physical level. It engages us on an economic level. It engages us on a mental level and because there are impacts that happen when we're not uh, making sure that we are inserting ourselves into positive change. Remember when Dr. King said, um, it, it's not the uh, words oh, yeah. of our enemies, but the silence mm. of our friends. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yeah. Right, yeah. that is about our interconnectedness. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. And when we begin to embrace that and say, you know what? We're gonna invite everybody into the circle. And we're also gonna make sure that we are understanding that this could very easily be me. Yeah. That really speaks to our interconnectedness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think, it, I, I totally agree. And the more we talk to people and activists in the field that are serving, the more we connect all of these issues to a lack of this, this sense of this recognition of our oneness it's that complete apathy that is at the root mm -hmm. of of all of these injustices yeah. and these problems yeah you know and it's deep because i the other side of that that i don't think we think enough about we we focus justifiably so on the those who are victimized whether they be women mm. whether they be black folk black and brown folk but really one of the parts of that that we don't look at enough of is the profound self-hate that the mm -hmm. person who is perpetuating the violence and the injustice has. And that is because that's the source material of all of that in humanity, you know, is that a, is a profound self-hate, man. I mean, this stuff ain't easy. I mean, and it requires a lot of you, you know, intellectually, mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually, all of those facets of your being have to be engaged in order to make your best contribution. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm wondering, you know, where do you, what do you do, man, to, 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 to sustain my brother? You know, there are a few things that I can guess, but I, I want you to speak to that. Um, you know, where are you turning for that source of inspiration, brother, that replenishment, that thing that keeps you nourished and mm -hmm. allows you to, to, to refill yourself so you have something to give? Well, you know, I'm trying to get better at that. <laughs> I'm trying to grow and, and get stronger in so many aspects. Um, but that's one that 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 um, that I need to focus on even more. I get strength from the whispers of my ancestors and, and those um, who I met along the journey, um, and, and seeing their commitment. So it keeps pushing me on. But they also continue to 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 share with me that I have to take better care of myself, and that's a deeper conversation uh, about that part. Um, but uh, I get it uh, through music. I get it through poetry. I I get it through uh, running. Um, I've been a runner, um, you know, for for as long as I can remember, um, and, and being able to to actually breathe in uh, when I'm running. 
Um, and and I, it also reminds me when I hit certain places when I'm running and, and there's more pollution in the air of why I do the work that I do. Nature is a, is a great way for me mm-hmm. um, to actually um, recharge. Yeah. And then I get recharged also by being around amazing people mm. who say, Mustafa, you don't have to do it all. And, and that's about that circle. Again, yes. I yeah. keep bringing my grandmother back, but it is about that circle because inside of that circle also is that you don't have to carry, you don't have to carry all this. Yeah, mm. yeah, you know? exactly. You don't have to carry the trauma. Mm-hmm. You don't have to carry the solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do this together. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think this is such a transformational moment because there's so many people who are waking up and who are getting engaged. It also uh, energizes me and it also allows me to say, you know what? Instead of working 20 hours a day, I can work 18 hours a day. <laughs> what I really need to do is get down to something normal. But um, each and every time that I work with somebody new or I see somebody you know, who was just getting in it a few years ago or growing and getting stronger and, and wiser, I, I, I'm like, it's almost like when I'm running, I can, I can like exhale and I'm like, it's going to be okay. Every time I hear a new artist, you know, who is thoughtful, <laughs> um, who begins to integrate stuff into the way that they move and the way that they do things, I exhale because I'm like, they got it. When I see these new politicians, you know, who, who don't look like politicians because they move like folks who, you know, who we work with, you know, who are saying, you know what, I'm going to go and sleep on the stairs of the Capitol to make sure that folks understand that everybody deserves housing and that people shouldn't get kicked out of their housing. Or, you know what, I'm going to go and be with folks, you know, who are fighting for health care or who are fighting for a cleaner environment or who are doing this or doing that and actually showing up, not showing up when the cameras are taking the picture, but they showing up just like you and I show up when we do it just because we know that it is what we're supposed to do. And it's what also feels right. That gives me energy. And I'm like, Okay, mm. we're gonna we're gonna be all right as long as we keep pushing and keep yeah. moving. Yeah, for sure. Wow. You know, you hit a interesting point when you said people are waking up. Mm. What does waking up look like to you? Because I know that we don't really understand sometimes that when we're waking up, it's actually a painful process. Mm-hmm. When you've been asleep for so long, and you're waking up, and then you're waking up then to your ownership of things and the fact that you need to do something about it you have a part to play it's a very painful process can you speak to that a little bit and maybe even touch on some of the pains that you're experiencing right now in this yeah you know for me waking up is when white brothers and sisters um, are not just saying the right things but they're also putting the mirror up and saying, it's not just about, you know, X, Y, and Z over there. I got to take a hard look at myself and some of the choices and actions that I've done. So I I, got to check myself on that. You know, it it is about men not wanting to control women's bodies and understanding that women can make the right decisions for themselves. They don't need your intervention um, to to try and control folks. The waking up is not just stopping at... Mm man, I messed up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is about the hard work of all the things that I have to do to educate myself, to change the way that I move and the way that I talk and the number of different things that are part of that. 
there are people who are in a lot of pain. Yeah. There are people who are dealing with all kinds of traumas. Yeah. We have to give grace, but inside of that grace means that there's also responsibility for helping people to get what they need to become whole. Um, I've seen folks who come out of, you know, these racist organizations and, and right-wing types of situations, you know, really far out there folks. Um, and, and there have been people who have been able to transform and heal because they wanted to. Um, and somebody just had to be able to reach out to them. So I have so much respect for folks who work in that space of, of helping people, you know, in, in their darkest moment, mm -hmm. you know, um, to be able to find the light. Yeah. And, and that's that's what this is all about. That's us helping about. people yeah. find the light, us helping people to to be in a, in a better and safer space mm -hmm. and, and, and us honoring folks. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's that's my mission. And I hope it's other people's as well. You, you, you're bringing up a memory for me, man. Recently, I was in, I was in St. Croix, man, doing some research because my family mm -hmm. goes back mm -hmm. generations in St. Croix. I find myself driving up this narrow road up to get to this place called Estate Mount Washington, which mm -hmm. is a plantation, an old sugar plantation in mm -hmm. the hills of St. Croix, near mm -hmm. Frederickstead, right? Yeah. And I'm passing iguanas and all this stuff and, and deer in the road. I said, man, where in the heck am I going? Mm -hmm. So I finally get to this place, man. And um, absolutely beautiful in terms of the natural surroundings. I mean, the foliage, the diversity of animal life. Um, get out, you know, park the car, get out of the car. And as I'm getting out of the car, I notice in the middle of all of this incredible beauty, there was a sugar processing facility mm -hmm. and then I looked up the hill and up the hill there was this huge house and there was a plate on the house that said great house built 1751 mm -hmm. and so in the midst of coming up and being awe-inspired by all of the beauty that I saw dri driving up there mm -hmm. I am immediately struck by the conflation of beauty and terror mm -hmm and how those two realities coexist in that space, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm having this, I'm wrestling with the feelings and I'm thinking about the ancestors who worked in this plantation, right? And who lost their limbs processing the cane stalk through that, through that mechanism, through that apparatus. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and, and, and you know, we were talking earlier about, man, the, 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 the connection of the body to the land. So I'm standing in this intersection of trauma and tremendous beauty looking out over the ocean, envisioning a life, what the future holds, mm. right? That we can create where that trauma we don't forget, we remember, right? We wrestle with it, we learn the lessons, and then we chart a path forward, right? That makes space for all of us, everybody on the planet, mm. to work together for a better tomorrow and a better, uh, a better future for us. And I'm thinking about you, man, and as you're standing on a hilltop somewhere and you're looking out over the ocean and you're thinking about the future, brother, what's, what's, what's the end goal, man? What's the vista look like for you, man? Where are you trying to get to, brother? People honoring each other, people refusing to be silent about injustices. I would love for folks to understand that we as a people, right, um, on this planet or in this country, um, are in it together. And if we're truly in it together, then we have to have authentic relationships, right? Um, I often talk about authentic collaborative partnerships. 
So I hope that, you know, one day in the spirit form or when I'm a, an old man with one lock that's mm -hmm. white, <laughs> um, I hope that I'll be able to look out and see that we have transformed. Because I, I fear that if we don't, which I believe that we will, that if we don't, that, you know, existence will, on this planet will not be um, what it could have been. I'm an optimist. Some people tease me about being an optimist. Um, I'm a realistic optimist. I, I truly believe that we will get there. How many generations it will take for us to do it, I'm not sure. But I know we have to continue the work now, and it has to exponentially grow because there will be more pandemics, especially if we don't. There will be more racial injustice if we don't. There will be more economic injustice if we don't. Um, and there will be more climate crises if we don't. But if we do, we can change many of those dynamics. Mm -hmm. and, and that means the policy has to change. Yeah. Yeah. That means that the way that we invest has to change. Yeah. And that means that we have to change. Yeah, yeah, man, I love that, brother. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I wholly uh, believe in the power and the beauty of the vision that you have mm. for the future. It's uh, very similar to, to the vision that I have, and also I know the, the, the same vision that Nava shares as well. Mm. And uh, I feel honored, brother, to be on this path, mm. walking towards that vision, yeah. knowing that there are co-laborers in the field, brother, doing the work, such as yourself, such as my incredible co-host, Nava, mm. and all these people who are uh, making these profound commitments to social justice and transformation. So I just want to say I honor you, brother, the path that you have trodden. Thank you. Um, love you for the work that you're doing, the commitment and the spirit that Truly. you're bringing to the work, brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are just uh, so honored to be able to lift you up in this space, man, and to spend just a little bit of time getting to know you and to, to learn about your journey. So thank you, brother. Thank you for sharing your light with us. It was really an honor. Incredible. Well, th thank each and every one of you also. I mean, the media plays such an incredible role. Your platform is so... Uh, amazingly important um, because you get to help to feed people. You get to help to feed their intellect. And there are some who are feeding folks things that are not too good for the mind, body, or soul. This is true. This is true. Uh, I appreciate you. You got it, but next time we see each other, man, I'm gonna have my tie game on, so just be ready. Right. <laughs> got I'm gonna bring it, brother. <laughs> All right, Thank man, you, Mustafa. Take care, brother. Thank you. Peace right. and blessings, man. Bye -bye. Take care, brother. All right, man. Y'all stay blessed. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye -bye. Peace.